listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Nigel, I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. Hello and welcome to the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today we'll be discussing the topic of great product teams build great products. Today, I am joined by my wonderful guests, Joshua Armstrong, Engineering Manager at Banksa, Mark Nelson, Digital Product Lead at Bunnings, Sarah Simpson, Principal Product Manager at Catch, and Zeno Bilal, Digital Product Manager at Compass Education, who will be joining us very shortly. Now, if everybody would like to introduce themselves. Yeah, thanks, Nigel. So, yep, I'm Mark Nelson, uh, Digital Product Lead at Bunnings. I'm looking after what we call our range tribe. So we're focused on all things bringing the Bunnings widest range to life online. Um, very challenging but rewarding space to be in. There's quite a lot of complexity there, but, yeah, nice uh, kind of area to get stuck into. Um, bit about me. So I've been with Bunnings for over 17 years. So I've gone from working in our stores, pushing trolleys to when our digital team had five people to now being quite a large-scale internal digital team. So quite a lot of growth and change over those 17 years. Um, and I'm really passionate about education and developing people. Uh, went down a little bit of a career path at one point to become a teacher, came back to digital after that um, and kind of used those skill sets to, you know, develop my team and, you know, try and bring a bit of education even into how we treat product, content and information. Um, and just personally, I love everything nerdy pop culture um, i mentioned to nigel i also have my own podcast or a movie review podcast or the one that generally gets a chuckle is the podcast about the bachelor that me and a few of my friends do so uh, that's a quick little plug you can find that at cameo guys um, but that's yeah kind of where my passions lie perfect um sarah if you would like to introduce yourself yeah. Hi, I am Sarah Simpson. Um, I've been working in the product and tech space for about 15 years now. Um, I'm currently at catch.com.au and I'm principal product manager there, um, leading our mobile space, but um, currently also working on some other strategic initiatives that we're, we're doing here. Um, in terms of what I'm passionate about, um, like most product managers, I enjoy solving problems for humans predominantly with technology, but I love also just simplifying things, even challenging the norm. Um, I also am passionate about um, building and enhancing um, and mentoring product managers, but also with product management as a practice and helping um, organisations unlock the benefits of a great product function. Awesome. Great introduction. And I suppose last but not least, uh, Josh? Thanks, Nigel. So, yeah, I'm Joshua Armstrong, Engineering Manager at Banksa. Um, I run a team of 10 engineers and we build out the product function at Banksa. Um, I've been working at Banksa for close to two years and been in tech for a little over 10. Um, at first, so like in terms of like what I'm what I'm passionate about, so like what got me into tech was that much like you guys, at my core, I'm a, a builder and a, and a problem solver. Um, and tech was a really easy toolkit for that um, and for building creative solutions around that. And I guess the reason that I've stayed in tech um, and kind of where that passion's driven me is that much much like you, Sarah, is that uh, I really see the human impact that technology has on people. Um, and I really like being able to be in a position to help improve that um, and just continually improve upon that uh, and making that experience better. So that's me. 
Perfect. Awesome introductions, guys. Uh, so we'll jump into the, I suppose, first question, uh, which is around the importance of building a team culture. Um, so, yeah, if, if anyone would like to, I suppose, jump in and I suppose, start the ball rolling uh, on that one. I'm happy to take that first. Um, my views are if you don't have a great culture, you really don't have a team. Um and I like to think that culture is really the glue that sticks a team together, gives people a reason um, to go to work every day and also stay part of that team. Like retention and keeping a team together is, is such a challenge these days. So I think having that great culture um, really not only fosters collaboration and, and feeling like you've got people that have got your back, um, it, it makes people stay and want to work with you. Um, I think for me um, building a culture really means getting to know people just um, – on a personal level, but also what drives them, where they want to go, and then helping um, as a team to get everyone to where they want to go. And I think, um, you know, really, really, I've I've had much success in in doing that in 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 my past teams, and and therefore had great teams that have stuck together for a long time and often follow each other around as we move through different organisations. So, um, I think that yeah, that's that's that is 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 why it's so important um, to build build a culture. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to really agree. Like, it's honestly, like, one of the most important aspects of building a team is, like, defining that culture. Um, and it, it's not something, like, it's something that kind of needs to happen organically. It can't be forced. You can't just set a framework of this is what we, this is our culture now, and, and you run with that. It's something that kind of needs to happen based on the individuals in, the, in that team. And, like, from, from my experience anyway, I find that that happens pretty organically. Like the people will, you know, mesh together in a certain way. They've got their own uh, individuality that, you know, helps flourish and helps grow the team. Um, and overall, like as you lean into each of that, you know, those individual characteristics, they tend to form the strength of the team and therefore like the, the culture around that. So everyone can can bounce off of that and feel supported from that. I think that like that's incredibly important. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that, and I come from a very biased opinion for being with the one company for 17 years, but, like, at Bunnies, like, culture is just everything to us, like the team culture and, and being part of a team. So, you know, that's something that we try and do even at the squad level to, you know, our practice level being that just, you know, the product team is how do we kind of bring that broader Bunnings kind of culture to life in our teams? And I think that's put us in a really good stead where, you know, we can foster that culture but that also gets us in a really good position where because that's fairly Bunnings wide, um, it allows some really, you know, easy conversations with stakeholders and, and other departments, which is, you know, allows us, you know, to get some really good synergies and gelling, which is awesome. Um, but at the same time, I think that's a, been our biggest challenge over the last, you know, two years is we were so ingrained with the Bunnings culture being you come to an office five days a week, you know, we all work together, you can go to any department and talk to anyone. Um, and we've had to do a lot of work to kind of bring that to life in that hybrid environment. Um, and it's, it's actually fascinating the amount of just time and, and the effort we'll index into maintaining that culture, just because we see the benefit of it, you know, across the business, not just even in our product teams. Hi, Zainab. Thank, thanks for joining us. If you could quickly introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Zainab Bilal, and I'm a product owner at Compass Education. Um, I'm really passionate about product development and how great teams and the great culture in the teams help build great products. 
Yeah, we, we have actually already started. Um, so we, we are currently on uh, your question, uh, which is the importance of building a team culture. Um, yeah, the guys kind of, you know, spoke about it a bit, I suppose. But yeah, if, if you'd like to maybe say a piece on it yourself. Sure. Um, I guess I've had the pleasure of working quite a few different uh, teams Um and obviously, there's a lot you can learn by working in a variety. You work with a lot of different people. Um, the standout in the high-performing teams that I have seen is definitely culture. If you've got an empathetic leader who can sort of foster and build that culture and um, build that trust in the team, um, the product just becomes amazing because people start relying on each other. They start hearing each other's ideas. Uh, they start... Uh, being, I guess, open to each other's ideas, which is really important. So I'm a huge believer that if you have a good culture in the team, then that's definitely going to lead to a high-performing and a good team. Perfect. I, I suppose just just on I suppose team culture, do you think there's space for obviously a company-wide culture and then within teams to have that, I suppose, unique identity within teams as well? Do you think that makes sense? So I think the importance of culture definitely needs to come down from uh, the top. Um, obviously, with different teams, because people work differently and they have different preferences, uh, you can choose to adapt uh, that company-wide culture how um, strongly or lightly that you want. So I feel like, um, you know, how we have company strategies and then we have team OKR. So it's similar with culture. There needs to be a good team company culture where your leaders are um, practicing what they preach. And then that comes down to your teams um, where your teams can set up some culture practices. Like for example, in my teams, um, we have like a team day that we come in. So that's our particular um, culture, but then it's also coming down from the leadership. So they also would like to us to come in. Um, another thing is like we, once a month we go out for lunch. So that's not coming from the leadership, but that's something we want to do as a team. Um, and hang out together so yeah so it definitely needs to come down from top yeah. but then um, I think it's up to the teams as well to create that culture for themselves yeah yeah brilliant um okay cool um, so I suppose look we'll, we'll move on to the next question uh, which uh, was, was raised by Josh uh, which is how to foster growth and innovation uh, within teams and um, so Josh yeah if, if you'd like to introduce the question and some some context around it yeah, sure thing. Um, it's actually like the, the reason I brought it up is because it's something that I'm really passionate about with my teams is, uh, yes, like we're, we're really good at doing the, you know, the day to day work, but to for us to continually uh, hone our skills and our knowledge base and just kind of grow, not just as a business, but as individuals as well. Uh, it's incredibly important, I think, to then invest in that growth and innovation. Um, and oftentimes, I think in organizations, what you can find is you usually have some kind of mechanism where you've got these ideas or, you know, you've got maybe maybe a training budget or something that gets uh, worked into goals and whatnot. But innovation gets talked about, but not necessarily kind of worked on. Like it's just this concept that sits in the background um, that everyone tries to uh, use as their North Star. 
but what like what that actually ends up being, at least in, in my experience, is usually the same stuff. Um, so one, one thing that, that I've worked on with my team is that we actually have a work into our development cycles, a growth and innovation day. So uh, one day every, every sprint or every development cycle, uh, we have a day dedicated to allowing the teams to work towards their goals. Um, it can be pretty much anything that they want if from a, a learning or a, if they want to explore some new technology or, or something like that. Um, and it's really helped us develop and grow as a, as a team and just explore avenues that we hadn't really thought about at the time. Um, because I, I find that kind of those ideas and this create creativity and innovative ideas can kind of come from anywhere and allowing the team to just pick that up and run with it, uh, you know, at their own speed, at their own, figure out all the issues all, um, and like leap all, all those hurdles has been really helpful to not only give them, I guess, a, a break from day to day, but also help enable them to kind of flourish and have ownership for the product. Um, and at the moment, the way, the way it works, it's, it's somewhat ephemeral. Um, so it may become a product, it may not, but like everybody's kind of aware of that, um, but it provides that ownership um, and that meaningful impact and empowerment on, on our product. And I've, I've found it to be really valuable. Cool. That's, yeah. that's awesome insight, Josh. Um, I'm going to just jump in because we, we do something very similar um, around innovation, which I'll get to. But I think um, from a growth perspective, where we foster that with our team is we're really big now on almost handing over initiatives to teams, team members within our squads to kind of champion them. Um, we found that's been a really good growth strategy, even just from a skill set and, you know, the giving, you know, team members who are chomping at the bit to get a bit of responsibility to kind of go, you know, I might be a product lead. I don't necessarily need to be across everything, you know, and putting that trust in in team members to kind of pick something up and, and run with it. Um, and we've had some really great success with that. You know, you get some, you know, developers, even junior developers that just sink their teeth into something and they start doing some amazing work that they might not have been able to do before because you're, you're just giving them that open space and the opportunity to really carve out what it means to them to to bring something to life. So we found that to be a really successful way across our tribe and across the squads. But broadly, um, we, we do something similar. You'll all like the name of this, but once a month we do a snag day instead of a hack day um, where we get pretty much all of our digital squads to cross-mingle. Um, you know, you can have a group of one, two, you know, how many people that you want to kind of bring an idea to life. And we leave that fairly fairly open um, and broad so they can go off in any tangent they want. It might not even really be related to the business, but it gives them an opportunity to kind of come up with something new and, and you know, even fun for them just to kind of get out of that normal workspace. Like we recently had one team create a digital library that they can go in and you quickly scan a book and, and take that home with you from the office, like completely unrelated to everything that we do. But um, they, they wanted to help our teams, you know, get education materials and books. So, it, it, yeah, it allows that just environment to, to just think differently. Um, and then broadly, we've kind of expanded that out into a quarterly hacker time session that we engage with other departments in the business to kind of bring them along that journey and, and start to, you know, think that, you know, here is an opportunity to think more broadly. We tend to to theme that up just to give that one a bit more structure. Um, but that but that's another great opportunity, even from a growth perspective of, you know, squads and, and team members who might not necessarily get a lot of broad face time with the wider business to, you know, get that 
you know, airtime and, and work with the wider business, which is just help them in their day to day as well. I have a bit of a different approach. Um, I think the space that we work in, people are naturally growth minded, right? But what happens is um, they have trouble navigating um, innovation and experimentation and all sorts of things in, um, I've predominantly worked in, in large sort of corporate organisations and, and they can be great places to 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 stop that way of working. So for me, um, in terms of fostering um, growth mindset, I try to do it in everything that we do and create space for team members um, to experiment, innovate, try think, try different ways of doing things. Um, and, and given most of those larger organisations can be a little bit um, hesitant and scared um, to, to work in a different way or try different things, um, I tend to try and and kick into stealth mode a little bit, create the space and the buffer for the team just to get it done. Um, not hide it, actually just talk to it, but don't call it innovation. Don't call it experimentation. Just call it what we're doing. Um, and before you know it, the business is bought into it and, and it just becomes a way of doing things and, you know, in past time, um, past roles at, at, at the back of that, we've spun up innovation hubs when they were trendy, um, all sorts of things by just by just doing it and then showing the benefits of it. Um, you know, there's obviously complications like how to fund those things, but I've also got some pretty hacky ways to to get around that. Uh, I won't share that because I've got a book idea around that. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's definitely definitely ways to get it done in 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 stealth mode and allow the team to to exceed and and get satisfaction from from working in in a way that they want to work. Looking forward to the book, Sarah. Um, uh, I guess my where our team um, fosters innovation is combination of both that uh, Josh and Mark you mentioned and Sarah mentioned. So we definitely have hack days um, once a month that are company wide hack days, um, but team hack days as well and PD times where they can look at new strategies that can help the product, but then also help them learn. Because I feel at the end of the day, you can get so stuck into the day-to-day -day things. Um, and if you're looking at your code and your product, you can get so attached to, okay, this is what it is that you forget about the bigger picture and what's out there. And maybe that's a there's a new and innovative solution out there that you haven't really thought about. It's really important to actually take a step back and look into that, because I think it might help you as well. Um, and then similar to what Sarah said, sneaky ways of um, putting in innovation here and there. Uh, that's definitely helpful because I guess my team currently is a really small team, so it can be really hard to take even one person away for like a full day of innovation. So we just try with whatever we do. Um, we try to spend like an hour or two just thinking about new embedded ways of doing the same thing. Um, so yeah, that's helped us. Perfect. Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, Brilliant ideas there, I think. Uh, I think common team with, I suppose, hackathons or innovation days, but also some maybe creative ideas to be shared and not, not yet shared. So I think I'm looking forward to that book too. Um, so look, we'll move on to the next question, uh, which is from Mark, uh, which is, how do you juggle the tactical and strategic needs of your business? Um, Yes. So for a bit of context, the biggest buzzword I hear, especially in a large organization like ours at the moment, is transformation um, and the ever-increasing need to transform our business. Um, but for me, like when I'm trying to build out our teams and culture, like the key piece for me has always been, you know, providing our teams with 
autonomy and, you know, real ownership of their roadmaps and giving them the time to really think about their own strategy and, and what it means to bring that to life, whether that's OKRs, you know, quarterly cadence with roadmaps, et cetera. So, to, yeah, the real question I have, and I'm happy that we've got so many different experiences in, in this call, um, is really then, you know, how have you in the past or even today facing those kind of challenges of where you've got to juggle, you know, really big tactical and strategic needs of your business um, against enabling, you know, your teams to, to have the autonomy to go out and build great products? Because I do think there is a bit of a friction point between the two. Yeah, perfect. Uh Zenab? Yeah, I'm happy to jump in there. So I think uh, that's going to be, that's a challenge everywhere that I've noticed that, you know, we've got these strategic initiatives, um, but then we want the team to own their roadmaps um, and sort of there's a lot of technical improvements that they want to do that they're not getting time to do. Um, I guess working at Compass right now, um, we're sort of a startup in the startup scale-up phase. So we're trying to expand into different markets and Sometimes you're like, you know, we need to move to the UK. So this is what we need to do. Um, what I've found that has helped is when there's clear communication and transparency from the leaders where they've said, okay, this is what we do. But they've also sort of brought along everyone on the journey that this is why we need to do it. And um, this is why, you know, the timing's right. And this is why we're doing. Um, so people can actually understand where they're coming from, um, where it might go wrong in some companies is where they haven't been transparent. They're like, okay, this is what it is. Um, and that's it. Um, obviously there's, it depends on the size of the company. If you're like a bigger company, you might have some more time to spend on technical improvements, not to say in smaller companies, they're not important, but sometimes in smaller businesses, it's, you know, go, go, go. We need to move into this market kind of thing. So definitely I feel like communication and transparency from leadership and, just bringing everyone along the journey of why we're doing what we're doing and getting them passionate about it. That's how um, it's helped us. Um, just to follow on on that, I think for me, it also hooks it back into the last last question as well about providing that space for the teams to innovate. Um, it's a boring exercise. A lot of teams hate it, but planning is really critical to it, right? I think having a really good rigor around planning so that you can book capacity in for those BAU annoying things that pop up that you've got to do for whatever team or compliance or legal or whatever. Um, some work for that, you know, space and capacity for that transformation and making sure that you, you know, spending that transformation budget and hitting the, those business case goals and things like that, but then also allowing some capacity for the teams to innovate and experiment around that. I've been really, um, and then even software health and stuff like that. I think it's it's really critical to have a really good muscle around planning, um, thinking through that capacity, even being open about it with um, your leaders and saying this is what we need to do, one, to, you know, get done what we need to done, but, you know, build the team, invest in the team, keep the team, um, and, yeah, just have a really strong um planning planning muscle and, and and hold to that plan and, and educate people around that plan and why it's really important to to look at those different levels of things to balance balance the load otherwise you just end up drinking from a fire hose so the team here pretty much nailed it so i'll, I'll just add a little bit of perspective i guess from a, a tech execution side because i mean at, at the end of the day like we being the execution layer do like we do still have to deal with those those tactical and strategic side of things um and i, I think you know, the team have 
nailed it on the head about, you know, we need to plan um, and look after your team. And I think like looking after the team, at least from my perspective, um, once you do have that plan, once you do, you know, obviously you've got the, the strategic and uh, like tactical side of things. Once that's planned out, as long as you're looking after the well-being of your team and they are fulfilled in in their team, um, they, at least in my experience, will come up to the um, come up to the kind of the line that you need them to and will exceed that. Um, and have just just been running through like you know endless amounts of um, just quality work once you've got, once all those pieces kind of fall into place and as long as you're looking after their well-being uh then it's all just gravy from there very good answers there guys i think i'll maybe go back to mark on this and see see what he thinks i suppose or see if he's anything else to add yeah no i, I kind of agree with sarah and, and generally everyone but for us it's it's really been fostering that kind of cadence around planning. We've got mid-quarter check-ins on Friday that everyone's, you know, rushing to get prepped for. Um, but but that's actually really helped us instead to really understand what's getting worked on, where are we going to start seeing those impacts come through, um, and just making sure that we're all working on, on the right things at, at the right time. And, you know, ceremonies like mid-quarter check-ins do give us that almost that lever to pull if we need to where you know pivots potentially need to happen and and replanning can occur but yeah like I agree with Zanab around you know we need you know to foster the team give them that bit of um, security and everything around it just so they feel comfortable with the why which I think is really important Um, and yeah that quality piece that Josh touched on is really important as well. Perfect guys all right we'll move on to I suppose the Final question, uh, which is from Sarah on creating the best environment for great product teams to build great products. Um, so, yeah, some context around that one as well. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I, I mentioned in my intro, this is something I'm really, really interested in. And that's that's mainly because I think product management is a misunderstood skill in a lot of businesses. And I remember back in my days when I was um, teaching some product management classes, people were like, I've all of a sudden become a product owner. What do I do? And um, what's the difference between product owner and product management? And I don't, you know, I don't really know. And it really wasn't sort of product management that they were doing. But um, it's it's just it can be really misunderstood um, in, a, in an organization. And I think, um, you know, there's obviously all the way to the the gold standard of having a product-led business, which, you know, there's only very few true businesses that are product-led, but I think there's a lot, um, and I'm interested in all your thoughts on, you know, how product is structured in a business, the processes, the best processes for allowing um, product management um, to do its thing and even even funding and interested in um, all, all your views on that. Yeah, like I, I feel like the challenges you've mentioned are everywhere. Like I think where our business is at at the moment is is product is still just a term. It's not well understood. Like the amount of education that we try and do throughout the business to get them across even what the process looks like. Why why do we do things like discovery? Why doesn't, you know, something get developed in a week? You know, th- those things that you've just kind of got to work through and everyone's chuckling. We've all experienced that kind of stakeholder interaction. Um so there's that. I think it's it's a real it's an ongoing battle. You're always going to have to be educating the business to the why we do things and and the importance of doing that. And we I think we're finally getting a bit of cut through in our space around you know 
we're trying to focus on the customer value and the customer experience. Yes, you've got, you know, financial goals, but and we want to meet those goals as well, but there's almost this added layer. And and I think we've got a little bit of a advantage because we can always point to, you know, Bunnings best service. We're trying to bring that to life through our experiences. So give us a little bit of breathing space to do that as well. Um, but at a at a team level for me, like when I think of, you know, creating the best environment for our teams, even at that squad level as well, I think it all comes down to an environment of like openness as well. Um, I think we're I'm really fortunate to be in a squad and a tribe where, you know, I don't think there's a single team member who, you know, isn't willing to give an opinion or raise red flags. Like there's not a dev who who won't turn to me and go, this roadmap makes no sense. Why are we doing this? And you're like, okay, cool, great question. Let's let's have that conversation. And you know, and we really implore them to to have that willingness to to you know challenge us and um, and give their opinions as well. And I think as a leader, my biggest bit of advice is you know not taking ourselves too seriously. You know, we, you're a product lead, but at the end of the day, I still very much feel like we're we're here to build up our teams and and make sure that their voices are heard and, and they're, you know, really achieving highly. Um, and so the big one for me is always, you know, you might need to beat me out here, Nigel, you know, just be willing to take the piss out of yourself and not just act too seriously all of the time. Like my leaders within our squads and our tribes, we're probably the first ones to, you know, at a stand up, make fun of each other, you know, just to really normalise, just be open, be talkative, just, you know, we don't want squads where everyone's just kind of, burrowed in and, and not really out there and, and fostering that kind of environment of openness. So that, that's really my my key takeaway for, you know, building our great teams is educating the business. That's going to be an ongoing fight and just making sure that your teams are, are always willing to, to chat and talk through any problems. Yeah, no, I, I'd say you nailed it, Mark. Like, basically, like, my, my perspective is that as long as you've fostered a strong culture of ownership, growth, and have a mutual understanding of what you're trying to achieve – then your team will just do what they need to do like, and will do what they do best and that's build great product. Um, and then beyond that, I find my job is just being that human shield barrier in between any of that, any of that chaos that's coming in to try and disrupt that. Um, and as long as there is that safety net, then they will just continue doing what they do best. I have jokingly referred to myself as all I do is give a positive no to people in the business. So I'm very much on board with the our role is is shielding the team so that they can do what they just need to get on with as well. Yeah. Love it. Um, I guess this is quite a touchy topic for me because uh, I've seen that everywhere. Definitely uh, companies believing they're product-led, but they're more like delivery-led, which is fine for the stage they're in or what they're doing. Um, but I guess uh, I find it's, I'm really passionate about sort of bringing that value in and um, relaying that to the business about what the value of being product-led is or how understanding our customers is going to eventually um, benefit the product and the company at the end of the day. Um, it also comes back to me for like communication and bringing everyone on the journey. I feel like if you understand your customer and why you're doing stuff and how you're benefiting them, it also builds that empathy within the team and the pods and the squads. Um, and they can understand that, you know, sure, if you put like a white button here or like a blue button here, the end user who's using it, um, just an understanding of that and just building empathy for that, I feel like can really build a great product. So, yeah. Yeah. Great answers there, guys. Um, 
Yeah, Sarah, I suppose, do you, do you have it? I suppose any answer to to their answers or any more questions? On yeah, the there's, there's def- <laughs> definitely some some great stuff. I've definitely got the the shield that protects the team from the shit as well. Um, so yeah, that's that definitely gets a bit of a workout. But um, you know, I think where I've had the best success, even if it isn't a truly led product led business, is kind of structuring the team around around the business strategy and then trying to align as much with your cross-functional team so that you can try and get that end-to-end connectivity um, around what you're trying to do and almost those mission-based, um, customer-focused-based um, teams. And that's sort of where I've had the most success and kind of allowing the team to lead and, and provide leadership and build those good relationships um, across business and try and anchor everyone to, to the, one, the one or two things that um, – we're, we're trying to solve and I think, um, you know, discovery can is also a challenge because I think uh, a lot of people think of it as a, a, a black hole um, and, and, and I think um, the way I've got around that in, in terms of defining our process is actually um, being really open about we need to do discovery but time boxing it based on the value of what you're working on and I think being really open like we're going to dedicate four weeks of discovery or eight weeks of discovery to this problem because this problem is worth x um and being really open with that with our stakeholders so they sort of go oh yeah but they're not just going away in the black hole but coming coming and checking through um again and, and leaning on your stakeholders to even come into that process um I've had I've had um success um and doing that and then and the third thing is yeah just sometimes how teams are funded um can be be a real real challenge so i think again sticking it back to that commercialness of this is this is what we're trying to solve and this is what it's worth um to try and keep that that funding lever going if your team isn't um capacity funded is 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 pretty key as well and I just say how much I love the idea of time boxing discovery based on value because you are so spot on that it just becomes this massive black hole of, oh, I think they're doing discovery on something. And then you you find out like a couple of months later that, oh, they ended up actually not coming up with anything. Um, and I think that really hurts the product space a lot. So, yeah, that's that's something I'll take away for sure. We can definitely chat, Mark. We're in the broader Wes Farmers uh, family. So let's let's chat. We definitely will. All right, perfect, guys. Uh, that reaches the conclusion of, of our podcast today. Uh, so I'd like to thank uh, my fantastic contributors today, uh, Josh, Mark, Zainab, and Sarah. Thanks very much for joining me today, guys. Uh, excellent ideas and, and insights shared. Thank you.